Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Uh, it doesn't need to be uh, so formal that I'm asking all the questions. Uh, if I that know. makes sense. Jesse and I only speak through our editors. So <laughs> you, can, you can add him to this. <laughs> I, also, I feel like I'm going to be like Valerie Cherish throughout this um, this podcast. Be like, you can't use that. If I know if I do the comeback, <laughs> I will allow it. Pretty and sweet pony, exceptionally good at braiding hair and line dancing. A boy whose favorite toy above all others without question is Brenda, warrior queen of the Pacifica. A girl who loves dressing up in costumes and quite literally gets carried away by a waddle of penguins. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 457. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm joined by Christian Trimmer and Jesse Sima. We cover a lot of ground, three picture books in fact, but our entire conversation centers around pushing back on gendering stories and gendering readers, something I think all of us would do well to consider in the service of our readers. Before we jump into the conversation, here's a quick word from our sponsors. This month, I'm excited to welcome our newest sponsor, the Little Feminist Book Club. Little Feminist wants to help diversify your child's bookshelf. Each month, they send one to two books featuring characters of underrepresented backgrounds. Little Feminist spends months consulting with a team of educators, librarians, and parents to pick each book and create a suite of hands-on activities to accompany them. Whether it's treasure hunts or DIY musical instruments, the goal of the included activities is to make the stories come alive for both children and families. Raise good humans one children's book at a time by signing up at littlefeminist.com today. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Gallery Nucleus, an art gallery and bookstore. On September 9th from 2 to 5 p.m., Nucleus will be hosting a signing with the artist Scott C. and writer Drew Daywalt at their storefront outside Los Angeles, California to celebrate the books Sleepy the Goodnight Buddy and Adventures in Drawing. Come see Scott's original art from both books and enjoy fun activities. This free event is open to all ages. Can't make it to the signing? Gallery Nucleus is offering listeners 15% off your next purchase by entering in the promo code WONDER18. Visit gallerynucleus.com to discover more or click on the Gallery Nucleus banner at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. 
The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast are invited to a free mini class. Enroll today at storytelleracademy.com slash wonder. Or click on the Storyteller Academy banner at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. And now please welcome my guests, Christian Trimmer and Jesse Sima author and illustrator of Snow Pony and the Seven Miniature Ponies. Welcome to the podcast, Christian Trimmer, Jesse Sima. I'm glad that you both could join me tonight. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Matthew. Thanks for having us. Hey, you're both yeah, here. Yeah, we're so excited to be here. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I'm, I'm equally excited. I'm going to try not to giggle too much. I need to stay focused. So. Okay. This is serious work, Matthew. <laughs> this is Very totally serious. Um, so let me turn, Jesse, to you first and ask you, if you don't mind, to introduce yourself to people listening. Those that didn't hear our first chat together, I'd love for you to uh, let people know who you are and what you do. Oh, yeah. Okay. So my name is Jesse Sima, and I am an author and an illustrator. Um, And my first book, Not Quite Narwhal, came out last year. And then my second book, Harriet Gets Carried Away, just came out in March. And uh, I made another book that is coming out this summer that I am just the illustrator for, which I made with the awesome Christian Trimmer, who is here and is also going to talk to you about that book called Snow Pony and the Seven Miniature Ponies. And that's basically <laughs> me. <laughs> and that's basically me. Well, Christian, that's let's pick me. up let's pick up from there. Who are you and what do you do? So I am a picture book writer and I'm also a pic, uh, book editor. Let's take that again. <laughs> uh, then I Oh, I told, I got nervous too just now. I love it. We're all so nervous. I'm a very intimidating yeah. host, I've been told. Very intimidating. <laughs> no, so I'm a, a picture book writer and a book editor. Uh, I'm editorial director at Henry Hope Books for Young Readers, um, but sometimes I get inspired to write some manuscripts, and I have three out in the world currently, uh, Simon's New Bed, Mimi and Shu and I'll Race You, and Teddy's Favorite Toy, which came out this past February. And as Jesse just said, uh, we have... No Pony Seven Nature Ponies coming out uh, this August. Yeah, <laughs> I you know it's really exciting for me to to have. Thank you for coming to me to do your cover reveal way back whenever we did that. That feels like forever ago, but um, it does feel like forever ago. But, but we got the the cover for that so early that it was exciting to do. But it, yeah, it was a long time ago. <laughs> well, it was fun for me to be able to guess at it and then like legit read the book and be like, oh my word, <laughs> this is wonderful. And um, there, there's a lot of amazing, amazing humor in it. Why don't we? So why don't we talk about this up front, and then I want to get to Harriet, and I want to get to Teddy because I love both of those books and have talked about both of them a lot uh, in front of children and other librarians, but also on on my blog. You know this, don't you? You know this. You know this. Okay, we're gonna get nice to hear it in a real voice. Thank you, still. You. Oh, Christian, just wait. I'm going to be reading the book to you, if you don't mind, because there are words that I just need you to hear. I need you to hear that when, at least this librarian, when this librarian reads your book, there's a whole lot of voice in it that I adore. But let's get to Snow Pony, because that I'm going to also attempt to not read the entire picture book of Snow Pony aloud to you while we're talking. Um, Christian, tell us about Snow Pony and the seven miniature ponies. 
so uh, for my whole life, I've had a deep love for fairy tales. Um, and, you know, as a little boy, I grew up watching all of the Disney films and, and begging for fairy tales as my good night stories. And part of what I'm trying to do as a picture book writer is sort of own my own childhood, own the fact that um, some of the things I liked as a little boy maybe were not what little boys were meant to like in the early 80s when I was a kid. Uh, so Snow Pony combines two of the things that I love. So it's fairy tales, uh, specifically Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and horses. Uh, I did not have horses growing up. I sure wish I did. I had a glorious unicorn figurine uh, collection, which I stared at lovingly. Um, oh, and love it. I know. And, you know, I, I had great friends growing up. Uh, I remember a girl named Muriel who had a lot of My Little Ponies, and I just loved them so much. So as an adult, you know, when I'm thinking about the things I want to write or the stories I want to put out into the world, a lot of it is just tapping into the things that I think I would have loved as a little kid. And so that's really the impetus, the, the, the starting point for me with Snow Pony and the Seven Miniature Ponies, to take two loves, fairy tales and horses, bring them together, um, and hope that, that other kids embrace it. I have to ask you first, because it sounds like we're roughly the same age, because I also grew up in the 80s. Oh. Um, one of my favorite, first off, unicorns are like so trending right now, as are narwhals, <laughs> as are, you know, this this girl that we're Skyping with that happens to like be <laughs> illustrating both of them. But did you, do you remember watching the um, the cartoon Unico? No. Oh, okay. So I don't think this, I like, I've ever heard of that. So I, it turns out a, a graphic novel just came out of it, a, like a collection of it. I believe... Now, it used to be a comic book series, maybe in Japan, and then they made an animated movie of it that maybe was translated to American. My dad um, just like filmed it off of TV, and I remember watching it a billion, billion times. Oh, um, my God. So you Filming bring up, off of TV. Right? Yes. Well, so you, yes. Bring up, you bring up this <laughs> love of... You bring up this love of, of unicorns and the collection that you had, and right yeah. away it brings up that, that story to me of Unico. Um, so I'm be totally looking that up after future this. Reading. Have... Yeah, there's a big compendium that is gorgeous that they came up with, I think last year or the year before. I looked it up on my phone really quick and it looks great. <laughs> it's super rad. Where do you see the castle built of like cardboard, like people that all it's spooky, crazy. It's amazing. Anyway, Whoa. anyway, spoilers. Um, no, so, so that, that's really cool that you take those two loves and blended it almost quite literally into a story and i have to love um yeah just to call it out i love like what a mouthful the title is of snow pony <laughs> and the seven miniature ponies oh my god i when i wrote that down for the first time or i typed it into my computer i just could not stop grinning because you know i thought about you know as i think about fairy tales and and pairing them with animals and i'm i'm am thinking about that and what's coming next um but it made sense for this, like miniature ponies. I mean, what is cuter than that? And like, what a dream for any sort of illustrator to have that opportunity. So I think it's a dream. Yeah. <laughs> it was a dream come true. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Jesse, you know what's hey. cuter than miniature ponies? Miniature, what? miniature ponies wearing um, bee masks and, and, <laughs> and glasses. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I was so excited about these ponies. I mean, Chris, so Christian and I know each other, of course, but we didn't really talk 
at all while we were, you know, while I had was making illustrations for this book or discuss it really. Uh, so well, when I, I got it, and immediately, oh, wait, I gotta but, stop you because you said you know each other, of course, but I don't think we said um, directly uh, how yeah. you know each other. Oh yeah, yeah. Is that so, is that top secret, Christian? No, I am the genius <laughs> who acquired not quite narwhal, and uh, Harriet gets carried away. It was one of the smartest things I ever did at Simon and Schuster. Um, I remember getting that submission from Jesse's fantastic agent, and very few times in my career, I think, I think it's two times in my entire career, uh, did I ch- attempt to preempt a book. And for the listeners, that means I tried to offer enough to take it off the table without having to deal with anyone else. I just <laughs> wanted everyone else to go away and for not quite Narwhal to be mine. That's like avoiding um, like an auction scenario or something, right? Exactly right. Okay. I got it in. I read it immediately. I ran over to my publisher. I was like, we need to make an offer on this as quickly as we possibly can. So I got to meet Jesse really early on um, in her picture book career because um, I was kind of, I was there at the beginning and that makes me feel really good. <laughs> sure were. It was, yeah. It was wonderful. So, yeah. So, Christian was amazing. And we worked together on uh, Not Quite Narwhal. And the beginnings of Harriet got carried away. And then he was like, this is the best work I'm ever going to do here. And then abruptly left. <laughs> that and is so- <laughs> my resignation letter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, but seriously, though. And then once he uh, left, we ended up working on Snow Pony and the Seven Miniature Ponies together. But, oh yeah, so as I was saying, so we didn't really Wait, talk very- I want to interject very... here too. Oh yeah, of course. Only because when I when I, I submitted it to Justin Chanda, who edited the book, um, I was like, can we find someone like Bessie Sima to do this? Because I was her editor, I was like, well, it's not appropriate for us to go to her, um, but can we find someone who does what she does? And so when I left, Justin came back to me. He's like, you know that idea that we both fell in love with? Mm. Like, I want to go to her and ask her, are you okay with that? And Because cool. okay. it wasn't yeah. awkward anymore. It was like- <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm really thankful that everybody just kind of waited and then it worked out that way. <laughs> yeah. I would have been really sad if I got to see, if I had to see someone else draw all of these ponies because I had a great time doing it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, these ponies, we didn't talk very much about it while it was happening. Uh, wait, can you still hear me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh. We're just like enraptured. No, 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 it's okay. You mean, <laughs> so, you, so because it wasn't your editor anymore, you, you actually did more of like the traditional, I'm yeah. going to go illustrate and yeah. you have the manuscript? And it wasn't, I mean, not in any sort of like, there's no communication or whatever, <laughs> but we didn't really talk at all. About yeah. I really and respect so... the process, Matthew. Mm, so yeah. I took that. <laughs> yes, we respect the process. Uh, so it was fun for me because, I mean, I knew that Christian was a, a fan of my my equine drawings, right? <laughs> 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 Having already acquired a book. So I felt like comfortable enough. It was a nice uh, move for me into doing my first book as just an illustrator because I feel like it would have been very anxiety causing for me to be working for the first time with somebody who I didn't really know and who I didn't know how they felt about my artwork or okay. my style. Um, but since I knew that, you know, he he would be comfortable with what I did, then we went all out and I was like, oh, they're going to be Shetland ponies and they're going to be very fuzzy and they're going to have hair covering their eyes and you won't be able to see that where they're looking ever. <laughs> and it was so good. It was so great. <laughs> 
Well, goodness, I'm glad it, that worked out. Oh, my gosh. When I saw sketches, and Jesse's right. I mean, I saw like a full sketch dummy before I saw anything. Um, and I just gagged at, at these ponies. I just had no, I mean, having seen kelp from Not Quite Narwhal, yeah. I just envisioned all the ponies sort of looking like that. Um, but what she did here, it just like blew my mind. Well, and the color palette is a bit different too. It actually feels to me like you've, you've taken those colors of, of a fairy tale that we have, um, the main character being white and pure in that way of Snow White, but just all of the background just sort of blends while you have almost color blocked your main characters the background just sort of washes together so we really get that attention on (laughs) on the stars of the show as it were (laughs) (laughs) yeah well that's what it's like an interesting thing about a character who for the most part is you know all all white and then has the the dark hair is that we tried not to have much going on that was also white at all so like everything is always um, you know, so it's, yeah, like you said, the color blocks in the back. So it's almost like she's like her own little silhouette, sort of all black and white in a very colorful environment. Well, yeah, yeah. To, to play it up even further, you've even got some text boxes that have sort of that, that like vine paneling. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. It just, it just feels like, like you, you've taken some nods from, I don't know, like the, 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 the Brothers Grimm stories or things like I can remember growing up that there was just yes. sort of d- designs on the page. Not nearly the full illustration that you have, but there was there was just that sort of enchanting detail around some of the text. Wait, I actually don't know this answer, Jesse. I, Lizzie Bromley, who is the brilliant designer of this book. So um, amazing. Did, was it you or she or you to collectively that came up with that, that brilliant way of setting off this sort of... You know, I'm I'm used to writing very spare text, but here I kind of, I put a lot of words together. So I thought it was such a stroke of genius to sort of set it off, and like you said, Matthew, in the sort of classic, um, classic storytelling, um, in those boxes. Yeah. So it was definitely a, a collaborative effort. I think it did pose a, not not a challenge. Well, yeah, like a creative challenge of there is a lot of text, and I too usually write sparingly. Usually you can just kind of integrate that into the illustration as it exists. But here you definitely had large chunks of text that we needed to do something with. And the options were maybe, you know, creating a, you know, having one blank page that just has the text and then another page that has the illustrations. But since it was, you know, it's very fairy tale inspired. Yeah. We we did some some research, you know, looking for inspiration in old fairy tales, like you were talking about, like the old there's grim books or you know just more classic storybook um sort of art and and coming up with some frames that that would work around the text and then we did a little bit to, to try to in some of the cases integrate that into the art and then sometimes offset it you know by itself a little bit but but that was a really fun challenge for me i really i had never really done framing before um trying to figure out how to make it um appear and yes. fit with the style of the book without overpowering everything or like distracting too much from what's going on um you know you don't want it to be like you're not even looking at the w- words or reading them because it's like too intricate or anything like that or too too simple on the other hand so well, and i'm thinking too of, of so many of the um fairy tales in my in my library collection that just um you know we're at a different point in publishing now and in this case picture books 
are really doing that work of the the text and the pictures together telling the story but many of the mm-hmm. fairy tales i remember growing up were uh, a full color illustration on one side and an entire text page on the other and and yeah. the illustration was more of something perhaps just fanciful to look at while the adult read the story to you or i don't know for you to distract yourself while you were reading an entire tome of text <laughs> reading in the story but right, um right it's it's different now and th- while this is a long form picture book you i mean one like you've got christian your your text is hilarious but there's right. also just sort of this <laughs> the art i think in sort of a funny way almost is not it's not hilarious in that way like the text is meant to sort of make you giggle but i feel like the art is almost pulling it together going like no 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 this is the world this is the world that I'm bringing you into. And like, <laughs> it seriously is about seven miniature ponies. Um, and I love that. You have to take it very seriously. No, okay, so like case in point, I'm, I'm going to read the opening of the story, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. I know. You... I always forget that like, the people who are listening haven't seen haven't or seen heard it. anything that we're talking about. So that's very helpful. So you serious we're as day. Like, no, there are yeah. lots of ponies, guys. You serious as day have this illustration on this opening page that just sets the tone, but I'm going to read it. Once upon a time, there was a pony who had a coat as white as snow and a mane as black as ebony. As you can see, the combination was quite spectacular. Her name was Snow Pony. Children came from far and wide to see Snow Pony. Not only was she pretty and sweet, but she was also exceptionally good at braiding hair and line dancing. All the children loved Snow Pony, and she loved all in return. Uh, that's not entirely true. She didn't particularly like this one. And in which case there's a an arrow pointing to a girl whose arms are crossed, who I should say we <laughs> never return to for the rest of the book. <laughs> <laughs> she she makes appearances in the background, but yes, she's like never mentioned. She's not again. <laughs> like the evil queen that's trying to do in Snow Pony, is what I'm trying to say. She's not like, oh, right. there's the girl we're supposed to watch for. There's the bad one. No, uh-huh. it's just I'm not really fond of this one. <laughs> you just to make sure that you're being as truthful as possible. Snow Pony loves everyone except this kid. So this one, particular one. But in the illustration, again, just like as as normal as normal as anything, you have Snow Pony as you do braiding, um, uh, braiding uh, her hair, braiding a girl's hair, uh-huh. um, Charmaine's hair, the, the 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 main girl, um, while <laughs> while some bluebirds <laughs> braid Snow Pony's hair. <laughs> <laughs> and there's sparkles everywhere. But I'm saying it like I'm not looking at it like it's a joke. It's like, no, really, this is the world that this fairy tale is inhabiting. And so that's just the world we're meant to accept from the beginning. And I that's that's why I mean it in that way, Jesse. It's not that you're it's not that the pictures don't don't make giggles, but that you you just do it so straight faced that it's I don't know, like in a weird way, it's quite like Monty Python, that it's just like, <laughs> hey, this is the way it is believe this that, world. that makes me really happy no i'm really glad i mean i put a lot of thought into like you said you know it, it's clearly fantastical things that are happening but you don't you know you want them to feel real within the world of the story that you're telling and so it is i mean it did again another challenge here was like how does a horse braid anybody's hair like what does that look like <laughs> how does that accomplished by some hooves like what is like you know, and then of course you don't want Snow Pony to be left out. So how is her hair getting braided? If she's the pro braider, is you need to add these bluebirds that feel very uh, fairy tale like who will come in and do the braiding. So it's like a 
a line of people braiding each other's hair like any good sleepover, right? So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. I'm glad that that, that it works for you that way. Well, I quite like I will I... say... No, go ahead, Christian. Sorry. Yeah, well, I, I'll say that the very early drafts of this, and even ones that I shared with Justin, were straight down the middle, like very straightforward storytelling, super earnest. Um, Matthew, you're so kind to like mention the humor. None of that was really there in the early versions. I kind of was oh, yeah? like, you know, I just was really thinking about classic fairy tale storytelling, and it's it's very sweet and earnest. So that's what I set out to do. And Justin really pushed me. He's like, "This isn't your voice. Like, right. like why does this book need to exist? You have to bring like yourself to it." And so that's you you see the finished book, but it wasn't there at the beginning. But I do love that Jesse took it like very seriously in a sense. Like, <laughs> like, even though there is like my my sort of my sense of humor infused into it, she's still like, this is the world they live in. This is these are the characters. Um, they take their own lives very seriously. So I should treat it with respect and not like sort of make a gag out of it. So I love that you picked up on that. And I love that that Jesse sort of captured that spirit. Well, I think that you know, the, another um, another evidence of that, Jesse, that I really thought was powerful, just in in the way that you're displaying these characters, was when so there's this dog that um, Charmaine has a dog named Hunter, and um, mm-hmm. Charmaine is looking for Snow Pony. Snow Pony disappears in the story, and so Charmaine is going to go off and find Snow Pony. And um, on that page, it says Charmaine shook her head. This isn't good, boy. We need to find Snow Pony. I am in full agreement, replied Hunter. Let us depart at once. With my keen eyes and sense of smell, we are sure to find her in no time. And what a sight for sore eyes she will be. Oh, yes, a joyful reunion we shall have. Of course, what Charmaine heard was, bark, bark. But when, on that page, you've illustrated, you've illustrated Hunter with one paw up on a pumpkin and the other paw, like, across Hunter's chest, as if to say, like, I vow, uh-huh. I vow to do this for you. Here is my, uh, accept my loyalty and my devotion to you. There's just that earnestness that you talk about, um, Christian, just, it comes through in the art for as silly as, yeah. as the words happen. There's Aww. nothing here poking fun at the reader. It's just sort of giggling along with how silly things are. Your rendering of that was so fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> like, to hear the words out loud, um, and and delivered so perfectly. So thank you for being such a great reader. Yay! I've loved your. It book. Is, it's so great to hear your books read out loud. It's so it's magical. So there's <laughs> there's this thing that as I was reading it to my I have a I have an unfinished copy. So I have you know as I read it to my students and to my children, the pages fall everywhere, which is <laughs> an art that they've learned That's me. Fun. They've learned how I'm how I manage unfinished books. It's quite quite wonderful. But what I noticed about this, um, and I. I I'm assuming it's a deliberate choice is that these seven miniature ponies um, are, are never gendered in the story at all. There's never any indication Mm. about um, there's, you know, these names seem to be more, we're, you know, we'll talk about Teddy's favorite toy, your, your book in a second Christian, but, Mm -hmm. but in here to have, there's these seven different ponies and it's not like, and these three were boys and look at their, their, your typical boy names and typical boy things. And these three are girls or whatever you've got Mm -hmm. um, all of them in all different, wonderful colors. And really to point it out too, all of them are like getting their hair braided and rolling around in the grass, just enjoying Mm -hmm. being together. 
Mm-hmm. I, 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 As are like the human children. I, I loved that that yes. that the boys and the girls got into both the dancing and the the hair braiding. They are. Uh, I'm I'm glad. I was yeah. I was very. That was something that I was very mindful of and wanted to make sure to do. And like my favorite. I don't know if you've noticed this one, Matthew. I I assume Christians looked at this book enough that probably <laughs> you've noticed it. The the one little boy. I like ran out of ideas for how to braid hair especially <laughs> shorter hair for some of the boys the one that the, you the gave one a little boy that has like the unicorn yes. horn braid <laughs> just out the front <laughs> <laughs> i was like i don't know what's another braid that a horse might be able to handle, <laughs> that a horse can handle. but yeah no i definitely wanted to make sure that you know there's so much gendering of stories and books and children that goes on all the time anyway i'd like to try to push back on that as much as possible and so if i can have it try try to equally have lots of genders of children doing any activity that's what i'm always going to try to aim for so i'm glad that that came across in both the children and the ponies (laughs) okay so let me get deep for a second because this is something i'm also feeling on my heart and i just want to give you a chance to, to respond on it. Why, Jesse, do you think that's on your heart? That that gendering of, of children so much in picture books, why why then, like, what has your experience been that has now compelled you to, to sort of be a change for that in picture books? Oh, because, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Well, I mean, yeah. you do that in Not Quite Narwhal too, right? Here's a story yeah. um, about, about um, a, a, a horned sea creature that doesn't quite know if, if, if kelp... Kelpie identifies as a as a narwhal or as a unicorn, as we later see land narwhals. My favorite term ever: <laughs> land narwhals. People land see narwhals. unicorns land and land narwhals. narwhals. But but in that way too, not that you so directly do it, but you're also when I read that book, I also see, and this is something that I see now that I didn't see when I first read it. That it's given mm-hmm. back to me the more I've read it. But now I also see sort of that that gender fluidity that that mm-hmm. that trying to divide into two char- two categories doesn't always work and doesn't have to work that it's okay to sort of have this fluidity but but seeing that seeing that that was sort of there in not quite narwhal and it's also there in snow pony what compels you to 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 be sharing those characters and those stories well i think similarly to how christian was mentioning in the beginning about how Maybe some of his interests growing up were not always ones that were as easy for him to have as a boy growing up in the early 80s, like wanting to collect unicorn memorabilia and all of that. I think that similarly, I had that sort of experience of not necessarily being interested in some of the more, I don't know, traditionally feminine things that were they're shown to me when I was younger. And so... I, I think about my childhood a lot and some of the interests that I have, and I don't know. I just want to make sure that when kids are growing up, you know, that they they don't feel that anything that they're interested in is wrong or I don't know, not accessible to them. But yeah, I mean, with kelp, it really was uh, something that I decided consciously is to was to make kelp male. Because I had never, like, I can't actually even now really think of any male unicorns that aren't a joke, I guess. You know, they're like, hmm. it's like part of, like, it being a joke. It's like, oh, you're a unicorn, but you're a guy. And so it's funny, 
because you're a unicorn. Um, and so I wanted to try to make kelp a boy. And I think not only was it something that I wanted to do for myself and part of the book, it's now, it's it's interesting because it's it's also sort of, you need to pick your battles, I guess. And so I sometimes meet people who are not necessarily willing to buy their sons, maybe books that would have rainbows in them, possibly. But the fact that the main character in this book is male might help them mm. to feel more comfortable doing so. I don't know. I feel like I'm going on like a long rant, but oh. no, I, I feel like it, it's kind of all interconnected that way, right? Where like, I don't, I, I'm not somebody who thinks that people should be deciding those that way about books. But if by making this character male, it makes it so that more boys might be able to get this book that wanted it, uh, then that's helpful. Um, and so, I don't know. I guess Jesse, for, for all... Yeah. Jesse, that to me just <laughs> sounds more like you're not ignorant to the fact that there are people that are perhaps not as... Not, not as open to thinking outside of norms yeah. right that there you're, are people that, that just at, aren't you're good at summing that up <laughs> do you know what i mean though that there yeah. there are uh, we all have different experiences and i i for one have been talking quite frankly just to, to have a personal moment here um as we're yeah. wrapping up school as we're recording this i have about a week left of school uh and we're also recording it during pride month during june and i um not only have been sharing uh books um written by lgbtq authors and and uh, and illustrators and and just books that i feel like i need my students to read but also i've been having these conversations with my especially fourth and fifth graders who this year have been using have been using for example the word gay as a derogatory term and other words well and the way i say it to them is and you're also using that f word that people use in place of gay which offends me to the core that you use that and i don't know that you realize how offensive it is to people and so we're going to say we're going to talk about it and i want to provide a space for you where you can understand that your experience isn't the only experience so jesse what it sounds like to me is that you're also partnering with us librarians and us people that read books to children in that mission of trying to show readers to try to tell another story that, that what you know isn't, isn't the only story, isn't the only truth. Yes. That was a very concise way of saying it. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Matthew. It comes from having experiences and realizing that there are people writing books that can help to to help children process these experiences without beating children over the head with, with ideas. Do you know what I mean? I know you know what I mean, but so you doing that work, Jesse, you being, um, observant enough or open enough or whatever the word is that I can't find right now. Uh, just, just to, to, to be enough for these readers to, to be able to leave that window open for them to see something different or to, for them to even ask why these Shetland ponies would be all different colors or why they would all get their hair braided (laughs) or why the boys would be getting their hair braided. Just that you leave, you leave it open to be a question and not to be an answer. That takes an awful lot of restraint as a storyteller, both as a, both as a storyteller in words and as a storyteller in art. And the fact that you're exercising that restraint is a big deal. And that you have an editor that allows you 
to exercise that restraint, I understand is a big deal. And that's not something I understood um, as a librarian. It's been having these conversations and why Christian, I'm so excited that you're here in the same conversation with us because I don't get a chance often, or many of us don't realize maybe often what a role an editor has in helping to bring out that story or unfortunately sometimes perhaps to quiet that story down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, it is my life passion to edit children's books and um, that I feel at such ease in that, in that world. And I, I, after all these years, I just, I just have such a great job and I love it so much and, and it feels new every day. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just a bit emotional from everything you've just said. So I don't even know if there was a question there, but, um, but you know, as an editor in the books I acquire, I am looking for narratives that, that shine a light on, on stories we haven't seen before. And that's picture through young adult um i grew up never having really seen myself in a book and so what jesse's talking about means so much to me because even though she's not um you know she's just like showing a world to like a bunch of kids and 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 creating a safe space for them um and i just think that's so that's the power of books is you know i had to find myself in stories where i didn't really exist i'm like oh that kid has is left-handed, I'm left-handed. Oh, that kid plays tennis, I play tennis. But it wasn't until I was much older, I was like, oh, that, that kid's gay, I'm gay, or um, that kid is biracial, I'm biracial. Um, so now, like the beyond like telling great stories and making sure that we're, we're putting out books that, that are meaningful and, and will stand the test of time, it's also like sharing and telling stories where the protagonist maybe hasn't gotten to be the hero yet. Yes. Yes. Oh, that was well said. I think there's something so, yeah, so important and so good, especially with children's books. Of course, in real life, you know, not everything always goes amazingly. And there needs to be conflict in any story for it to move forward. But if you can create a world in which, even if it's not the focus that is very inclusive and the safe space that you were saying, like, that's, I mean... That's what it's all about, right? I, I mean, it, it's almost like if you're not trying to, like, show kids a better world, then why are you even doing it I, is kind of how I feel about picture books. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It's beautiful. So, so <laughs> in that beautiful, beautiful world that you're talking about, if you're not showing children a better world, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? I like that. I like that. <laughs> Um, why don't we turn to Harriet gets carried away? Can you talk about that story for a minute, Jesse? I, I love this oh story. Goodness. I particularly, I, I think above all else, this is a book that the color palette that you employed for it just is, it's spectacular. I think that again, I'm such a big fan of restraint. I've come to realize in picture books, the thing I love the most is, is limitations. And when, when when the author or the illustrator or both are really trying to do something that that can be sort of pure and restrained and not try to be everything but like with snow pony you're allowing it to be to exist as a story that that is a a equine version of of snow white even nodding to the story of snow white at one point 
but not <laughs> not trying to copy the story, allowing it to be its own place, allowing it to, how can it have its own voice? How can we not note for note copy mm. that restraint put on it there? But for Harriet Gets Carried Away, both in your story and in your art in particular, uh, I found that I was really, I was just really um, moved by the way you told that story. Could you, so could you just kind of book talk Harriet Gets Carried sure. Away for those that haven't found it yet? Sure. So Harriet Gets Carried Away is a story about a little girl named Harriet who loves to wear costumes all, all the time, not just on Halloween or for dress up parties. She just wears them all over the place. And Harriet, just a side note, is partially inspired. Her her love of costumes is inspired by my own love of costumes, especially as a child, because I used to wear them really just everywhere. And I did wear them to a grocery store many times. So Harriet wears one of her favorite costumes, a, a penguin costume, uh, to the grocery store with her dads. And while she wanders off to find party hats, because it's also her birthday, uh, she comes across a flock of real live penguins and then gets met, uh, literally and figuratively carried away by them in hot air balloons to, to Antarctica. And I'll leave it there, just so there's no spoilers. But <laughs> she starts in New York City, ends up in Antarctica, and you can see how the main conflict here might be that she needs to now figure out how to get home in time for her birthday party, which is that night. So that is Harriet Gets Carried Away. And it's yeah, I really feel great about the fact that you said such nice things about the, the illustration and the colors, only because I have a very hard time with color palettes and colors. Oh, um, I never would have guessed so, that. No, well, either. I keep it very secret. No, well, first of all, <laughs> as Christian mentioned, uh, I my uh, art director, Lizzie Brumley, who we both have worked with, is amazing. And she really helps me with every book, but especially Harriet, like to figure out what I need to do with colors because... The, the color scheme for Harriet started out, it was pretty much like full color in where I, I would, by that I mean like, you know, all the colors of the, the colors. rainbow, you know, and, and it really, we figured out, you know, like, well, what is it, the point of having these penguins, right, we need to, to pick, pick a color scheme for them and then kind of work from there. So we didn't want to make uh. the penguins pure black, right, so I used... Uh, like a purple, a dark purple for them. And so then basically started doing some art with just purple, um, you know, sort of different shades and tones of purple, and then realized, well, you know, I wanted there to be a, a variation in skin tones, like realistic skin tones for especially the main characters, but also within the background characters, because it's a city, there are lots of people just wandering around in the background. So you add some skin tones, and then based on that, I used a little bit of accent colors. There's some oranges and reds for her all-important bow tie, of course. <laughs> um, so for me, I, I feel like color is always a struggle, and um, I like to be upfront about that because, <laughs> so you didn't even know. So I like to share so that people know it's not like some magic secret skill people have colors are just very difficult um but i'm glad that that you think that they turned out well and that they they worked well story this, thank you <laughs> i just want to i i never had the chance to call this out for you and i just wanted to share it but first let me say yeah the the purples the tones of purples mm -hmm. and oranges just works i mean it works also in a way that 
I've never seen it in a book before. And I, it made it that wonderful feeling of why haven't I ever seen this before? And I love that, that you showed purple and orange. Yeah. Just that you showed us yeah. something new that there it was. It's just, it's so beautiful. I love, um, it's at, at a point in the story, there's a number of adults uh-huh. having a costume party at, at Harriet's party. I love <laughs> that one of the moms is wearing a hijab and mm-hmm. it's like little cat ears and a cat tail. <laughs> There's just things like that that you you in that world building, like we had talked about earlier, um, save space for everyone. Uh, you really did. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, when I when I wrote Harriet gets carried away, I was living in New York City in Manhattan at the time. I now live in uh, New Jersey, but it you know just walking around, it's just not true to life to to not have that diversity there. It's just, <laughs> so in that case, it, it is a little bit different just because, you know, with snow pony, obviously we're kind of like creating a world, an imaginary world from scratch. It really could be anything that you wanted it to be. Cause it's, while it's, you know, taking place in real life, it's, it's not a specific place, but Harriet really does live in New York city, a fictionalized version of course, but uh, you know, so you definitely want to, pay respect to the real population of people that live there. So, well, I could go on, but just suffice it to say, I really, I really thought the world of that. And I also, and I'll link to this. I was really honored that you just a plug of my own, I guess that you, that you let podcast bunny interview Harriet. I felt (laughs) like I didn't get a chance to talk to you about the book. And so for those listening, I guess that don't know that I do this thing um, way back when we had all the wonders, uh, Brian one designed this podcast bunny to be sort of the representative of the podcast on the website. And so I sort of just adopted podcast bunny as my own. And <laughs> since all the wonders had closed, a podcast bunny has just been interviewing main characters in books because I don't have time to interview everyone. And some books are so beautifully character driven that it, it really lends itself well to that. And I was really honored that you, that you gave me that opportunity because it was neat to be able to hear about this story through Harriet's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, I guess in all of that series, it's really beautiful to hear you, the author and you, the illustrator communicate through your character in the way that, you know, her in this case, the way that you've gotten to know these characters. I really, um, I'm really sort of in love with how characters appear to authors and to illustrators. I really love that. It's maybe mm-hmm. my favorite thing of the process, having come to know characters of my own that I've written and having come to love characters in books that I've read. Uh, I really love, I love that. And so I guess I just want to say to you on record, thanks again for that opportunity. It was really special. Mm-hmm. Harriet's oh, a thank really you. I had a, I had a really great time. I really, it was a fun activity. So I know that some authors when they're you know trying to develop characters do exercises that are kind of like that of you know doing like an interview with their character okay and that's not something that I've really done ever in the past but it was really fun to do it with you and I was like huh this is bringing up all sorts of things I didn't even really think through but but it would be great to to do that sort of thing earlier on (laughs) I mean not not in any sort of official interview thing but I might still interview <laughs> questions and ask my own characters that in secret and I'll report back to you about how it goes well, as I'm developing them. <laughs> well well so in 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 you know in accordance with all that, um Christian Teddy in Teddy's favorite toy likewise 
I found to be this character that I just, that I knew. I didn't know if this was a boy that was in part you or a boy that you know or whatever, but this is a child that, this is a child that's real. And the way the text, how different this text is from Snow Pony, I really appreciated. But like, so here, if I read, um, I'm going to read to you again. Is that all right? Yeah. Here I go. Just read from the beginning because it'll get the voice really fast. Teddy has a lot of cool toys like this one and 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 this one. But this one is his absolute favorite. Brenda, warrior queen of Pacifica, has the best manners. Why, yes, I will have another cardamom scone. Thank you. She has the (laughs) sickest fighting skills. Flying crane, spinning, split kick. And she is able to pull off a number of different looks like this one. Yes, queen. I'm going to stop that. (laughs) Man, your voice is so good. Christian, that's you. That's you fighting that. Come on. That voice is great. So... This one is my most personal. This one is semi-autobiographical. Um, so that little boy definitely represents me. Um, but I don't know that sort of approach, like, the, and this one, and this one, and this one. That one, like, that just, like, poured out of me one day. Like, I, I, I knew what the story was. And pretty quickly, I, I had a very clear understanding of how I wanted to sort of capture it in words. Um, so thank you. Yeah, I had a blast with that. That that voice um, brings us close to Teddy so fast. We are immediately in Teddy's world, and we are surrounded by the things that Teddy loves. And when we're surrounded by the things that Teddy loves, then you introduce Brenda, and we're just we're there, and we're we're in it. Um, we're in that play. We're just we're we're part of that play date were just part of it. And so when you raise those stakes, when, when, when Brenda loses a a foot and when Brenda is bandaged up and when Brenda gets thrown away accidentally, like, Oh my gosh, it all happened so fast. (laughs) I mean, literally the book all happened so fast. I just, I really was charmed by it. I really, really thought the, the money you did. Yeah. The money you did on that story was just, it was excellent. Thank you very much. You have to be, I have to be very creative when I'm reading that um, out loud to draw it out. There's always like, like, what do you guys think is going to happen next? Because otherwise, it's over in like two and a half minutes. Yeah. <laughs> now, what should we do, everybody? So many picture books, though. <laughs> uh-huh. I remember uh, reading a book, uh, reading Simon's New Bed to a classroom, and again, it's pretty spare text. It's longer than Teddy, I think. Uh, and at the end, like one very sort of. Um, vocal child was like is that the whole thing and i was like um, <laughs> yes sir <laughs> i know so i learned from him it was great it was great feedback you know well, you gotta you gotta work with your audience well i think so far we've done a good job of not spoiling any of these three books because snow pony has a crazy spoiling ending that is i mean i can't i can't even but there are moments in you know I'm gonna call call him out on the show. So um, my buddy Travis Jonker, Travis Jonker does this blog called 100 Scope Notes for SLJ mm-hmm. for those people that don't know him. But um, he always makes these like really quirky lists of like 
here's the craziest things that happened in picture books this year. And I felt like, oh my God, Snow Pony is going to be part of his list. <laughs> yeah, It's just going to be like that. There's no way that someone isn't going to be like, I'm already obsessed with the ending of that. So maybe, maybe I'm the genesis of that. I'm calling it out here, but there's going to be people talking about the ending. That's just so good. And, um, uh, it's just so good. But, I really love the ending of Snowpony. But <laughs> I don't want to ruin the ending of Harriet. But I think I can nod to the ending in Teddy and, mm. and, and yeah, because thematically too. So in in Teddy's favorite toy, the the ending, the 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 way that the day is sort of saved, has everything to do with Teddy's mom. But mm-hmm. really, why I want to bring the ending up is because Teddy and who Teddy is, I feel has everything to do with Teddy's mom and the way that so clearly she loves him and she um, protects him and his world and his childhood by loving him for who he is. Right. Yeah. Um, And so I won't go any further into the ending, but to say that, but I do want to call out that so often, and you know, this as an editor, but as a reader, I can say so often we realize that parents are such a backseat character in stories or they're the reason that propel children, the, the child character forward in the story because they're the ones trying to stop the character from doing something. And so the, the character has to sort of go against the parent to make something happen. But here to have that relationship be affirmed even more deeply through the action that the parent takes, uh, I found... I found it to be uh, sort of this incredible allied force for who Teddy is in the story. Can I say it that way? I want to say it. Yes. That way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so to hear that out loud is just so powerful. So thank you. Yeah. I, I definitely wanted to write this as a love letter to parents who empower their children and embrace them and give them space to explore and be themselves, but are all definitely there to catch them when they, um, might fail or make a mistake. So, yeah, I, you know, I said early on that Teddy was written for five-year-old me and for kids today who um, might like things that they're, quote-unquote, not supposed to. But it's definitely also for the parents who, like, celebrate those kids. Yeah. There's space for both. This, so that's yeah. That's sort of the running theme, I suppose, is that leaving that space in, in picture books. And I know you as an editor, um, Christian, and also you as a as an author and illustrator, Jesse work really hard to, to leave that space. And so I commend you and I commend the process for you continuing to leave that space for the readers, because as a reader, you know, on my end, as a person that reads to children, reads to my own children, uh, and also as a, as a reader myself, read to, you know, reading for my own enjoyment. Um, it's that space that allows us or invites us that calls us to come back over and over. And I know that it's hard to leave that space because I, I write myself. I know what it's like to be aware of how, <laughs> how much or how little you want to tell the, the reader. Cause you want to make sure they, they get it. I would just want to make sure that you get my story that I'm trying to tell you, but, but to right. trust that space <clears throat> and to protect that space uh, is no small feat. And you both do it very well. Matthew, thank you very much. Thank you, Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> this is like the best 
call ever. Right. I look at this all the time. Right. You? We just like, like I feel Matthew so powerful. Yes. Like, <laughs> this. I told you. Did I tell you before or on recording? I can't remember. The only thing it ever takes to get onto this podcast is just make a book that I like, and then <laughs> and then you're giving me a chance to just gush over over a a book and to to process with it. Like that's a special thing. And I do hope. And I don't think I've ever said this explicitly, but I do hope that the librarians listening and the parents listening. Likewise, we'll have these conversations with kids and with other adults about books because I feel very privileged to have a podcast where I can just talk to you about, hey, I noticed this thing and it really made me feel something. And I had a question about this other thing. I think it's okay for us to be asking these questions and also for us to be sharing this love and this wonder that we see in books. So again, I feel grateful for the privilege of getting to do that on record with you both. But I also hope that people listening will will take some of that, that infectious passion toward a book and talk about whatever book they love too to to those other people because I think it's really special You're to love here. a book and to and to share it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I find personally that that these books that we love, there's even more room to love them. It's not it's not different from having a second child where you have that first child and you think, I could never love anyone more than I love this child. And then you have a second child and you realize you're wrong. That your heart mm-hmm. has even more to give. Um, and so I, I, I find that in sharing, uh, my love for these books that I do love and in sharing the books themselves with readers and, and, and sharing my love back to you, those people that make them, it really is, it really is a privilege for me. And I think before I go any further, realizing that, that we're about to wrap up our conversation, I want to just make sure that, uh, did you Christian, is there anything more you wanted to share about Teddy or about Snow Pony or uh, you, uh, Jesse, about about either or about Harriet that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure you get your readers or, or uh, the people that help get books into children's hands? Is there anything more that you wanted to make sure we know about these stories? Oh, no, Matthew. I mean, you have been like the best host. Well, so thank you. I'm glad you. we got to talk about it all. I yeah, yeah, that. yeah. You really have been yeah. wonderful guests to let me. Thanks. To let me go wherever. Well, then I'm going to go to the place that I love to go to most. But oh, Jesse, you have one more thing. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that uh, to reiterate what Christian said of just how your questions are so insightful. Like, like anything that I would have thought to say, you've already brought up. So <laughs> I appreciate you saying that the place I do always love to go most though, is this last place because it does bring us in your story and you right back in front of readers, which is where you belong um, and where these stories belong and where our, where our minds and our intent belong. So um, Christian, I'm going to ask you first and then Jesse, I'll turn to you. Uh, Christian, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Yes. I've been thinking about this because I, I just, again, I, I really recognize the power of, of, children's literature and of reading. So I just hope that the kids that you, that get to spend time with you and those are lucky kids, um, remember to look for themselves in stories, to look for their friends in stories, to um, not only sort of connect one character and see themselves as that person, but like try to really experience the world through all the characters' eyes. Because I think that opens the whole world 
Um, and, you know, as someone, again, as someone who didn't really see himself in stories growing up, but I still always found my way in. And there, that, I think, is is what reading can do. It just, like, opens the entire world if you're willing to let it. That is so... Oh, my gosh, I'm, like, so earnest tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, well, Jesse, I'm going to turn to you and ask you the same thing. I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message I can bring to them from you? Yeah, I think in the in the same sort of vein as what Christian said, I I really just hope that the readers will find a safe space in in, our, in the books that we're making, and I just want them to know that. If, even if they're not to- feeling that yet, there are a lot of people that are really trying to get that for them. If that makes sense. I feel like, <laughs> I don't know. Does, we're, tr- yeah. we're trying really hard. <laughs> and I hope that that if you don't see the stories that are re- representing your experiences, that maybe someday you you'll be drawn to making those books yourself. But until then, I hope that you do find those safe spaces in the books you're reading. This is Darshna Kiani, children's author and book blogger. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.flowering-minds.com forward slash South Asian Kidlet. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individual's and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out with the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, shout out to my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and helping keep the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Kate, Darshna, Nicole, Jarrett, Mike, Link, Anitra, Lynn, Cynthia, Doug, Amanda, Ruth, Lara, Judy, Karina, Teresa, Elaine, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You are all welcome to join us. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. 
Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.